It's Friday, April the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, America's jobless total grows and China's wildlife wet market scrutinized. First, the world in brief. Around 4.4 million Americans filed for unemployment last week, bringing the number of jobless claims to 26 million since the pandemic forced widespread shutdowns. Some economists estimate the country's claimant surge has now passed. Others fear another spike as people who could not sign up for benefits because of high demand on state systems start getting picked up in the statistics. America's Congress approved a bill to add a further $484 billion to a lending program aimed at small businesses. The fund to which hospitals also have access had nearly run dry. The bill now returns to the president for his signature. The American government will then have mandated nearly $3 trillion to help with the economic repercussions of the coronavirus. Angela Merkel, Germany's chancellor, accepted the need for a big EU-wide recovery fund and for her countries paying a fair whack of it. Disagreements about the fund's size are still to be thrashed out. However, speaking after a video conference between European leaders, Ursula von der Leyen, the European Commission president, hinted it could be 1 trillion euros, 1.1 trillion dollars. Business activity across America and Europe ground to a near halt in April, according to IHS Markets Composite Purchasing Managers Index, a trusted survey. The Eurozone's index dropped to 13.5 from 29.7 in March, the lowest since it began in 1998. For America, it fell to 27.4 from 40.9 in March, the lowest since 2009. Anything below 50 signals a contraction. International pressure mounted on China to close its wildlife wet markets. One in Wuhan has been cited as the origin of the new coronavirus. America called on China to close all such markets permanently. Scientific advisers to the Australian government say that they may have to be phased out. Australia urged the G20 to take action. An inconclusive trial of remdesivir, an antiviral drug that may be useful in treating COVID-19, worried many hopeful observers. Patients in experimental and control groups died at nearly the same rate, around 13%. Gilead Sciences, the drug's maker, emphasised that the trial was faulty, having been terminated early. The results were accidentally disclosed by the World Health Organization and then reported by the Financial Times. And Greenland welcomes $12 million of aid from America to the chagrin of politicians in Denmark. The money will support Greenland's education system and natural resources and strengthens ties between the autonomous Danish territory and the United States. Last year, President Donald Trump offered to buy the territory, which is of increasing military importance to America, but Greenland's governments rebuffed the offer. And now here's today's agenda. Bad apples. A new iPhone and contact tracing. Apple starts selling a new iPhone today. The smartphone giant has crammed brand new tech onto a five-year-old chassis, which it calls iPhone SE for special edition. And the new phone comes with a subplot. Costing $399, it will be one of the cheaper devices capable of running the Bluetooth contact tracing protocol that Apple and Google are developing. The idea is to allow phones to record each other's presence in the background as their owners move around then alert their users if an owner of a phone that was recently nearby subsequently tests positive for the coronavirus. There are plenty of unknowns about the system, but public health authorities will welcome a relatively cheap phone that may tempt some to upgrade from incompatible devices. App-based contact tracing is a numbers game, and health officials need all the phones they can get. A cruel choice. Bangladesh's garment industry. 
The biggest garment industry outside China is debating plans to reopen amid a COVID-19 lockdown. Seven years ago today, the collapse of the Rana Plaza factory building killed more than 1,100 workers. The disaster had threatened Bangladesh's access to its main markets in Europe and North America. Then COVID-19 closed them off entirely, shutting factories that churn out clothing worth $35 billion in exports a year. Now, manufacturers are keen to reopen as parts of Europe and America begin to ease lockdown measures. But the Prime Minister, Xi Kasina, faces a cruel choice. Garments are the economy's backbone. They account for 84% of exports and employ 4 million people. Her government lacks the cash for subsidies and fears mass unemployment. Yet social distancing in the factories is hard, and three garment clusters near the capital, Dhaka, are infection hotspots. In a country of 164 million, COVID-19 has not yet taken off. Can she risk it spreading further? Flying by the seat of its pants, American Airlines. American carriers throttled by COVID-19 have had an ugly week. Delta and United reported a combined $2.7 billion in the first quarter losses. American Airlines will probably continue the carnage when it releases its quarterly results today. So far, however, all three airlines have continued to fly on reduced schedules and avoided bankruptcy. The federal government wants to keep it that way. In March, Congress introduced a $50 billion bailout for the industry in its mammoth $2 trillion stimulus bill. American will soak up $5.8 billion of that, mostly to help pay employees. Even amid reduced demand, most of America's airlines will stay highly staffed over the summer thanks to the bailout, which obliges them to keep most workers on until September. But that won't be so once the money runs out in the autumn. Without more aid or a miraculous return to the skies, expect massive layoffs throughout the industry later this year. Italy's infrastructure. A milestone, but miles to go. Weather permitting, today hydraulic jacks will hoist into place the final section of a sleek one-kilometre bridge in Genoa by star architect Renzo Piano. For a city still stinging from its collapse of the original structure, which killed 43 people in 2018, its replacement promises healing and even bragging rights. The bridge is likely to be open by early summer, less than two years after the disaster. In bureaucratic Italy, completing a project this big would normally take a decade. The trick was to slash red tape and make officials work with contractors in parallel, not sequentially, says Marco Bucci, Genoa's mayor and the project's commissioner. Those lessons could come in handy. With half of Italy's bridges dating from the 1950s and 1960s, one or two now collapse every year. Antonio Acuzzi, a government expert, says the infrastructure ministry has yet to properly determine which bridges should be replaced first. Rudderless, not blameless. PG&E in the dock. In 2018, a deadly wildfire engulfed parts of California. The state's biggest utility has already pleaded guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter and one count of unlawfully causing a fire after its equipment was fingered as a source of the flames. The firm's arraignment and sentencing are due to take place today in a state court. This is but one step in what Pacific Gas and Electric hopes is a return to normal operations by the summer. However, roadblocks remain. A state utility regulator will decide on May 21st whether to approve a plan to reform PG&E's governance and controls to prevent future wildfires. The company must also exit bankruptcy by the end of June to qualify for a state-backed wildfire insurance fund. However, the decision announced this week by Bill Johnson, the firm's boss, to step down at the end of that month hardly inspires confidence about PG&E's future. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Sue Grafton, who was born on this day in 1940.
Ideas are easy. It's the execution of ideas that really separates the sheep from the goats. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.